Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Diadora, the brand made legendary by Bjorn Borg, currently worn by world number 26, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, world number 25, Jan Leonard Struff, world number 42, Martina Trevisan. See them at Diadora.com. Use my code APPROVED in all caps at HollywoodSports.com for 15% off of all Diadora performance tennis shoes. This special episode is also being brought to you by Baja Mar Resorts, the hosts of the fourth annual Baja Mar Cup, taking place December 8th to the 10th at Baja Mar in the Bahamas, featuring Jess Pagula, Vika Azarenka, former world number four, James Blake, many more players, and today's guest. We discussed this awesome event that has made a sizable positive impact on the Bahamian community in this episode. Don't miss out on the fun and follow along on Instagram at at Bahamar Resorts or visit bahamar.com slash tennis dash cup for more information. He was born and raised in Nassau, Bahamas, and as a highly touted 10-year-old, he attended the Story Boletary Academy on scholarship, played at UCLA for three seasons, earning All-American honors. And in the early 2000s, he got to one in the world in doubles, winning an astonishing 55 tournaments, including three of the four majors. He is now a broadcaster for Tennis Channel and is the elected player rep on the ATP board. And we talked about it all. Mark Knowles is today's guest, and this is our end-of-the-year current events ATP men's tennis special. So hang on. So do you have a big Thanksgiving Day football game happening on Thursday? No, so we're in the oh. third round of we're in the third round of playoffs. So that game is on Friday afternoon at the old Rangers Stadium. So big, big one. South Lake against Highland Park. Two, two, two rivals. Big Your one. Your son is his name is Graham Knowles. He's the quarterback for South Lake Carroll. That's big time. That's big time Friday night lights. Yeah, he's uh fully committed, got recruited. So he starts up um at Georgia Tech in January. So and your son is a whole head taller than you, huh? Well, you're about six. What are you, six four? I'm six three. He he's six seven. He's six seven, and my fifteen year old six five. So I'm the shorty in 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 the in the crew. Has it been fun these last few years to go to these games and to do the whole Texas football program? Oh, it's been amazing. It's been so much fun. Um, you know, we're a pretty sporty family between my wife and I. So the kids are very sporty as well, and um, you know. Texas football is is a lot different than anywhere else in the country. It's it's part of life, so it's been really fun. We've really enjoyed it. For our listeners, gentlemen, you hear, friend of the show, has been on the show, distinguished himself on the doubles court in a very special way, particularly with the Canadian Daniel Nestor, Nestor and Knowles, Nestor and Knowles. They did so much. How many tournaments do you guys win? I think together we won, I think we won either 40 or 45. I can't remember which one. Come on, man. Maybe 40, 40 together, 40 together. 40 tournaments. How many majors? Uh, we won three. Unfortunately, we lost in a bunch of finals. I think we lost in six finals and won three, made three. And that is uh, from the Bahamas, the Bahamian, Mark Knowles. My man, so good to see you. Always great to talk to you, Craig. You're my guy. We go way back. 
no doubt way back um so always always good to follow you you do a great job with your podcast you always got your pulse on everything tennis wise so happy to be on once again and we got a little little turkey day coming up which is always fun a lot of football a lot of food so good but this is the baja mar special i mean Let's just get right into this. As you know, we typically do a five-set format. We're not going to do that today. We're going to do a truncated current event special. But first and foremost, we're going to see each other live in full effect in the Bahamas at your event. And and can you explain that? Yeah. Um, you know, throughout my career, I always had a charity event down in the Bahamas. You know, I was pretty passionate about giving back to those that are less fortunate, um, you know, donated to lots of charities, especially giving back to the youth of the Bahamas throughout my career. Then I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago, I think this will be our fourth year partnering with Bahamar. And we have the Bahamar Cup, which is another opportunity, um, you know, to give back to the community of the Bahamas. Uh, as you know, Craig, probably throughout my career, I'm very passionate, very loyal to my country. Fortunate to have, you know, grown up there for a while till I left to go to IMG or Terry's when I was a young kid. Um, but it's always been home for me. My family still lives there. So it's a real special opportunity for me to kind of use my platform to come back. And, you know, another fun part is I get to bring a lot of the great pros that are out on the circuit um, down to the Bahamas, showcase my country, um, you know, try to showcase a good time and, and kind of let them know what the Bahamas is all about. Who's playing? Uh, you know, we got an incredible lineup once again. Um, got James Blake, who's been there many years. Um, you know, one of the best uh, guys on tour, not only as a player, but now post-career, doing great work as a commentator and so many great things. Former world number four, James Blake. You can't do better than that. Who else is playing in this thing? We got the one and only Jessica Bagula. Uh, regardless of all the success she had this year, you know, she told me last year, I'll be back. I love it there. And you know, that's that kind of speaks volumes to who she is, uh, not just a great player on the court, but a fantastic person off the court. Uh, then we got Victoria Azarenka, one of the great champions that we've ever seen in the women's game, continues to play at an extremely high level. People get to play with the pros. If you if you participate in this event. Yep. Started Saturday morning pro-am. So you, you go one-on-one, play a little doubles. You get to play with them, play against them. Um, you know, then there's a little exo in the afternoon where you get to see the pros, you know, bring the heat. Um, so it's a, it's a really intimate event, right? That's really what the kind of genesis of it was in the beginning, an opportunity for AMs to get up close and personal, not just on the court, but also off the court, you know, try to see the personalities of some of these superstars in our game. Um, you know, another person we have on the female side, we got Taylor Townsend. I mean, Taylor what a comeback T. she's had Taylor this T. year. So, you know, we got a tremendous lineup and we're probably going to add one or two more here in the last week coming in. So. It's an exciting lineup. Bahamar, I'm told, is the star of the show. I heard that that's just as good as it gets. How nice is uh, that place? Yeah, it's an incredible place. I mean, I, I like to take credit that I'm behind these things, but the reality is, you know, the Bahamas sells itself, and then you partner with a resort like Bahamar. I mean, it's just incredible. Three incredible hotels on property. What's the number one thing? Like, what's the number one thing? that I heard there's, like, these incredible pools. Is that true? Oh man, they got this water park called Baja Bay. It's it's incredible. It's not super crowded. It's the way they designed it. It's fantastic. So you know, a lot of fun. Great beaches. Um, you know, you get a little gambling going as well. Feel and see how lucky you are. There, there's mm. so much to do. Great golf there as well. Mm. Um, you know, Jess when she came down last year, she played a lot of golf. She's a pretty good golfer too to go with those great ground strokes that she possesses. 
And is it true Marcus Samuelson is going to chef it? He hosts us at his restaurant Saturday night, and that's that tops off an incredible weekend. Oh, I see. He has a restaurant on property. He does. He does. For our listeners, Marcus Samuelson, uh, Ethiopian, Swedish. Aquavit was his, you know, crown jewel in New York City. It's still there. One of the most elite restaurants in all of the world. This and he's going to be down there chefing it for the for the program. That's a great program. We've been so fortunate. Marcus, as you know, is a huge tennis fan. So he's participated every year because he loves the tennis. He's out there every single minute. And just so I understand, what does the foundation do? So basically what it does gives back to the community of the Bahamas. You know, I've supported a bunch of kids, obviously, throughout my time in tennis. We, we get them through the junior ranks. You know, obviously, when you come from the Bahamas, you got to you know pay for travel. It's costly to go out and play events and so forth. I've sent a bunch of kids off to academies throughout the years. We just had four kids go to Division I schools in the United States. So, you know, it's really creating a pathway. Also donated to the Cancer Society over the years, the Heart Foundation. So really giving back to those underprivileged and, and you know, really trying to make the community better in the Bahamas. So you're a found, you have a foundation. Bahamar has a foundation. You guys come together. You have a great event. And then you pick and choose where you want to put your money. That's how a foundation works. And you try to do all cool stuff with it. Like thinking globally, acting locally is what that really is. Exactly. You know, Bahamar has their own foundation. They have their initiatives. And then the Mark Knowles Foundation, we have our initiatives, which are, you know, really driven around uh, children. How's your tennis right now? You're going to play, I assume. Yeah, my tennis is still pretty solid. I can hit it, you know, hit, hit it pretty well as long as I don't have to move too much, right? As long as I don't have Novak over there making me move side to side. But, uh, you know, if, if I'm there, I can still I can still find the strings. Let's move into the second set. This is going to be the only set. We're just going on the court report, heavy current events, hot-button topics. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. I mean, first of all, how is that Torino event? For our listeners... Just to be clear, you sit on the you, you're the player board rep at the AT for the ATP. Is that right? Exactly. I'm player board rep. I'm one of four. We have and, our year end meetings in Turin, so I was just there for for the entire week. And it's you. It's Nicholas Pereira. Who else is it? Actually, Nicholas Pereira is the alumni representative on the council for the player board okay. reps. It's myself, a gentleman named Eno Polo, Lubin Pampalov. And Pablo Andujar, the former Andujar. great Spaniard, yeah, player, just last joined year. last year. And you were elected to that position. Yeah, I was elected. Um, so you basically you get interviewed by the player council, and um, you know it's a pretty thorough process, and you hope you make the cut. And what do you do as player rep? You try to advocate for the players, I assume. Yeah, basically, obviously advocating always and supporting the players, trying to make the ATP stronger, trying to make our sport better. Craig, you know, I've always loved tennis. I've loved tennis since I was a kid. I still love it now in retirement, whether I'm doing commentating, whether I'm watching. I've got the greatest admiration for tennis players. I think there's some of the greatest, if not the greatest athletes in the world. So, you know, it's it's kind of similar to the foundation, right? I'm trying to make a better world out there for those players that they get compensated better, um, that the events are better, the events are bigger, 
that we have bigger audiences, just growing the game because I believe it's the greatest sport in the world. And you talk directly with Massimo Cavalli and Gaudenzi, is that right? Yep. Yeah, so basically, you know, our our, our chairman is Andrea Gaudenzi, CEO of Massimo Calvelli, and then you have the board reps that are underneath. And, you know, we all get in a room and and try to uh, bounce ideas off one another and, and try to make the right decisions. And is there a lot of fighting? Is it pretty acrimonious or is it pretty um, civil? Well, we've made some big strides recently. Um, you know, we've, we've gotten the, the tournaments have gotten to where, you know, they open their books, which is something, you know, never happened when I was a player. Um, you know, so Hold I think on. it's actually... Wait, explain that. Sorry, explain that, please. Yeah, so like for the Masters 1000s, you know, through auditors, player auditor, tournament auditor, and also the ATP auditor, they're actually, they've volunteered, no, shouldn't say volunteered, part of the the one vision, the strategic plan, the new world, is that the players, you know, have access, us from the player board rep side, we have access to those numbers, and the players get to share in the profits, the upside. So for the first time ever in 2023, we had a variable bonus pool, which means more money for the players. And, um, you know, really the first time we, I think from a player standpoint, they always felt in the past that, you know, you always hear ratings are great. Audience is up, numbers are up, but, you know, we always used to fight and kind of jostle for 1%, 2% prize money raise. Now we can actually see the profits and, you know, we can have a variable bonus bonus pool. The players will be rewarded for their efforts. So, you know, that's, that's led to greater transparency, which is key in any, in any organization. How are you and others feeling about the health of the ATP coming off of these meetings in Torino? I think it's great. I, I really think that, you know, if, if you look the last couple of years, how it's evolved, I mean, the ATP is really making some great strides. You know, we got the baseline project, which provides for players if they need it. We're just looking at so many more things now for players, right? Becoming more player friendly, realizing that the landscape has changed, right? And, and for a long time, we didn't have enough change. And, and that's, that's honest from, from everybody at the ATP. So I think we're, we're making a real honest assessment um, trying to grow revenues for players, which is super important. You know, Craig, you know, you've been around the game long enough. We weren't able to support enough players. And I'm talking really good players, right? They weren't able to afford to have a coach or a trainer or a physio. Or stay on tour. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that, that that's what it is, right? We've seen guys ranked, you know, maybe 130 in the world, women ranked 130 in the world, just don't have the opportunity. Uh, but then given the opportunity, given the finances, all of a sudden they break in top 50, top 30, top 20. Um, so it's about affording more opportunities to more players. Is there a live golf scenario coming? Is that a fear that there's going to be a big defection and all these guys are just going to jump ship and go take big Saudi money? Listen, I don't think it's a fear, a fear, but I think it's definitely something we're aware of, right? I mean, uh, I think it's important in today's day and age, knowing the landscape, you know, the possibilities are there. Obviously, we saw it with Live Golf um, fractured that tour. So we we definitely have to be on our toes. We have to make sure that we're providing the right opportunities um, and also improving our events, um, you know, but we have to be open, uh, realize that there are a lot of avenues open that weren't open before. Is it true that IMG is trying to sell Madrid and Miami to the Saudis? And could that even be allowed? Actually, we just came from meetings and I, I didn't hear anything about that. So to my knowledge, no. 
Um, but basically, if, if you own a license, a Masters 1000 license, you can sell to whoever you like. But obviously, then you need board approval, a transfer of license. Well, that's so, what I always say to everyone. They're like, well, the Saudis this and the Saudis that. I was like, well, but, you know, it's like a, a Picasso that's up for auction at Sotheby's. Like, if you're an arms dealer, you're not allowed to just roll in and buy that Picasso or that Basquiat. That's just not how it works. That gets vetoed. And that's the way I understand the tour to be, that you can't just roll in if you're an unsavory character and just buy Indian Wells, for example. Yeah, exactly. There, there's a thorough process um, that has to be followed in order for some of these actions to take place. Uh, Next Gen is in, is in Saudi. Um, how do you feel about that? Listen, like I said, I mean, new opportunities have, have availed themselves, right? And obviously there's controversy with all new moves. Um, you know, you, you could argue it both ways. Um, I think that it, it's important to realize, you, you mentioned it earlier, the, not the threat, but the, the actuality of live golf, right? So you, you can't be naive in a lot of situations. Um, obviously, NextGen has been a very nice product. It's, it's done a really good job. It's kind of where we saw the next generation of the talent that's now at the top of the game. And, and that was really the, the impetus, the motivation of that event. So that's really come through. And, you know, we'll see. T time will tell. With the move to Jeddah, um, I spoke with um, Danny Valverde, who's helping run that event alongside Ross Hutchins. Ross has done a masterful job with NextGen over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I know they'll deliver a great event, so we'll, we'll see how it's received. I mean, this is like the dawn of a new day, man. People going to Saudi Arabia to play to play pro tennis heavy. And, and we know that Novak and Carlito, these guys are all playing a big money exo right around christmas as well so it feels like it's here yeah no no doubt right the players have their opportunities we've seen it you know in the so-called off season the short off season that uh the players have on the men's and women's side we we've seen some of the top players kind of dive in and, and make some cash runs and, and you know you can't blame them right i mean the opportunities are there they've worked hard for it and uh they, they should have the freedom to to do that if they like leon gone Newport, Rhode Island, which I hold very close to my heart, where I was a ball boy at, gone. Atlanta, hotbed of tennis, event 250, gone. Explain that. Yeah, listen, it's it's never easy, right? As you move forward, uh, sometimes, you know, there's some casualties. Um, you know, you had a nice post a couple of weeks back about your history of the Newport event. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of, kind of historical meaning to the Newport event, but it was also, you know, it, it, it was kind of a, you know, it was hanging on, right. As you alluded to in, in your post. You no, know, they had no title sponsor for a lot of years. They, they did it. You know, it was a, it was an odd date in the calendar to have a grass court tournament. And quite frankly, the, the, the facility for the players was substandard. I didn't think they did a lot to hold on to their event, but someone said to me, we're losing tournaments in the United States, and that's how you pull in the kids. And 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 I just kind of wanted to get your feel feel of the situation. Yeah, I think what's important to to kind of remember there, we're, we're not totally losing, right? So 
you know, the whole impetus and motivation, you know, at the ATP was, listen, we need to have more premium events, right? We need to have bigger events. There was always, you know, let's get bigger money. Let's get bigger opportunities for the players. So there was an opportunity to upgrade some events to a 500 event. Um, so what that meant was combining two 250s to get a 500. So um, the ownership in Atlanta and Dallas was the same ownership. So basically they combined them. So Dallas is going to be a 500 event now, which will be a signature event in a big city. Um, good, good part in the in the calendar. And same for Newport. They were combined with somebody as well to make a, a bigger event in Doha for a 500. And then same with Munich. That's going to be a 500. So, you know, I think we have a really nice strategy at the ATP. We're going to have kind of double 500 weeks and, you know, big opportunities for players, more points, more money. You know, you alluded to something which is is important, which, you know, obviously having played for a long time myself, you know, it, it does seem like we're short on U.S. events. But the good thing is we got a lot of Americans kind of drumming up the interest and, and that'll lead to things. That's part of probably why Dallas was very interested, right? Having a 500. So as you know, things are kind of cyclical. But um, I think the real emphasis, though, is trying to get kind of the most premium events on tour for our players. And, and on the ATB side, you know, that was really the motivation. It's not about taking away. It, it, it's kind of adding by way of subtraction, if that makes sense. Something a little bit less uh, politicky, but interesting, certainly to me, problem of all the different tennis balls. We started hearing a lot about these tennis balls hurting the players by switching every week to a different ball. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, listen, uh, that's a valid concern. And it's one that we had uh, also when I was playing, right? So, you know, it's about, like I said, I, th I think the good news about the ATP is it's about addressing it. Uh, we, you know, we just had the meetings in Turin. It was the first item on the agenda, right? So, and, and as you touched on early earlier, unfortunately, there's a lot of things that go into those dynamics, right? Whether it's individual sponsorships, blah, blah, blah. But there's a real emphasis on getting consistency for the players, uh, which is paramount, and, and also, you know, protecting their health. Uh, it's, it's not good for the players to have, you know, you could maybe have different manufacturers if need be, but they have to be the same type of ball, right? They have to be within a range so that the guys don't have arm, shoulder, wrist issues. And so that's something that's paramount. And this offseason, uh, you know, we as the ATP, we're working extremely hard on trying to get more consistent ball for the players throughout the year. That doesn't mean the same ball from January to December because I think it just it it, it depends on on the um, the segments right throughout because it's good to have a little variety. You, you don't need to have the same exact ball. Um, you know the tour's gotten especially on the men's side maybe a little bit more homogenous than back in our day, Craig, where there was kind of different styles of play and so forth. Yeah, styles make styles make fights, and now we see a lot of times the same style. These guys are just grinding heavy. Do you guys talk about that, speeding up courts, uh, anything like that, or is the tennis the tennis? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the other element to the ball, right, is trying mm -hmm. to match the ball to the surface, right, through the different cycles, whether it's the U.S. hardcourt summer, whether it's the European clay, you know, trying to get that a little bit more harmonious, and that's important. It's funny because I was in Turin last week, and – court was fast it, yeah. it was it was fast low bouncing yeah. um but yet you still had you know it was interesting because you still had some three-hour matches because 
the guys were holding serve. And, and you remember back in the day, the reason we have all these slow hard courts is, you know, the days of Ivan Isovich, Philip Brusis, Krychek, yeah. you know, there was just such an outcry that we don't want these short points anymore. We want these long rallies, but now we're getting these real long rallies really extended. So, you know, we, we got to find the balance. It's definitely something that I bring up because I do think that I want to keep I want to keep a part of tennis to where you can use the art of serve and volley or use the slice. Um, you know, as great as these guys are at pounding ground strokes, I think it is nice when you have a little variety in there as well. Well, it's like 25 years of, 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 of first volleys being punished, like great first volleys being punished is, is a lot. You know, one thing that's interesting, Craig, is that, you know, for those that follow the game really closely, look at the world number one on the men's side. Novak Djokovic has improved his volleys 100% in the last 18 to 24 months. So here's a guy who's the greatest of all time, can do it all, and he's all of a sudden added another element to his game in the last 18 months where he's the guy serving in volley, mixing in a serve and volley at 30 all. Um, so that's kind of fascinating to watch. It's wild, too. I just watched uh, this morning on Tennis Channel the Cincinnati final. And both guys were getting to the net, particularly Carlitos was hitting that kicker out wide to Novak's backhand and, and was, and was closing the net. And the, it was, it was sort of like, you remember, cause you all quite often, you just remember how these guys are just, you know, lacing everything from the baseline, but it seems like the name of the game still in spite of it all is, is you gotta be aggressive. You gotta close points out. Yeah, I think what's important, especially for those guys at the top of the game, right? If if you look at a two out of three set match, two and a half hour match, there's probably going to be, you know, I remember when I was coaching Marty Fish and, and Milos Raonic, was something I talked to them about. It's like, listen, I'm not asking you to transform your game, but what I'm telling you is there's probably going to be uh, eight to 10 points throughout that match, that two and a half hour match, where you're going to need to come in and make a good volley to allow yourself a good chance to win that point. If you can be, I don't know, seven out of 10, eight out of 10, you're probably going to win. If you're going to be three out of 10, two out of 10, yeah, good chance you're going to lose, right? And, and you're seeing that, right? You remember Carlos Alcaraz at Wimbledon this year? Wow. The volleys he came up with, I mean, just remarkable, right? So it's not that they're turning into, you know, Pete Sampras or Stefan Edberg, but they're able to win those very important points, four all in the third, 30 all when the point calls for them to move forward after a great approach and make a nice volley into the open court, they're able to execute. TUEs and the specific problem of, of Adderall on tour. Did you guys talk about that? You know, we didn't talk about it this, this last um, week of meetings, but it is, it is something that has been discussed. It's definitely a, a topic of discussion. Where, where, where's the tour landing on this? It's a, it's gotta be a real concern. Yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately a lot of those decisions don't come down to the ATP and the board, right? Mm -hmm. you, you've got the, the ITIA and all these different uh, agencies that, that you kind of got to go through. There's red tape to, <laughs> to trample over in, in order to start getting answers, but definitely something that, you know, we're concerned about. And and I mean obviously the grand story the the cherry on the the cherry on top of the Sunday uh, Novak Djokovic wins three or four majors essentially loses the five setter to Carlitos at Wimbledon and then runs the table 
I don't know. What's it like to be a pro player to see somebody 36? I mean, you guys were all off the tour practically when you were 36. I, th- I think I've run out of adjectives to try to describe Novak Djokovic, you know, and it's, it's interesting. Obviously I had a long professional career, um, was around some of the all time greats. You know, I, th- I think about, think about discipline, dedication, professionalism, think about the Von Lendl's think about the Jim Couriers, um, guys that were super dedicated and, you know, Novak Djokovic has taken it to an apps. I mean, just an, you know, to another galaxy. He's always turned on to what can make him a better player. And that's not just on the tennis court. That's off the court. That's family vacations. That's story time. I mean, the guy is just, you know, I was in Turin last week, got to watch him live. And even as a fellow, you know, as a fellow professional tennis player, you just marvel. I mean, there's, there's nothing except just marveling at his expertise. I know it's almost like there's nothing left to say. This guy's a, it's like a, it's like unbelievable. He's beating guys to twice. He's twice their age. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the interesting thing too, is he only goes in that max gear. You know, there's a different Novak round Robin and semis finals, right? Like that. And you're talking about the top eight players in the world, the best players in the world. And he's able to shift gears and make it kind of no contest on the weekend. And, you know, it's, it's even crazy. I'm just going to leave this here. But, you know, the final against Medvedev at the U.S. Open, they played an hour and 45 minutes set. <laughs> yeah. And history remembers it as a cakewalk. But, like, the intestinal fortitude you have to have to play an hour and 45 minutes set. I mean, that, that's like there's no such thing as that. Craig, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, like I said, I've been fortunate to be around a lot of the all-time greats. For me, you know, there's three guys that we've seen. Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant, and Novak Djokovic. When it comes to all-time commitment on and off the court, every single move they make is based on them becoming a better athlete. Every move they make. I mean, we thought it was crazy with Brady, the age that he played to. I mean, Novak is, as you said, you know, think back to think back to my peers when I played, you know, the I think Courier retired at 26. I think Pete, maybe 32, you know, Andre off and on, you know, but obviously a couple of years off went went longer than the rest. But, you know, as you just touched on 37 years of age and seeing him in person, you couldn't convince me that he was over 26 years of age. If I didn't know any better. No, it's unbelievable. It's it's un- unbelievable. Listen, I appreciate the forthcoming nature of this conversation. Um, It's not often we get, you know, an inside look at what's being talked about at the council table. So I first of all, I want to thank you very much. Thank you, Craig, man. You know, I'm always excited to get the call from you to come on the show. (laughs) I love your passion, man. I've known you forever. You love the sport of tennis. You're always trying to to affect change for the good. So I appreciate it, my man. I try to press a few buttons here and there. We'll see. That's your personality, man. If you weren't doing that, that wouldn't be Craig Shapiro. <laughs> now we're going to see you in the Bahamas on December 8th. You get there and what happens? Everyone gets a little hit in and then, and you and then there's a cocktail. First of all, there's like a police escort from the airport because you know like when i land i'm just kidding yeah please escort are you helicopter in 
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So when we get there, you know, Friday night, we've got a, a great welcome dinner. It's awesome. You know, okay. re- real, real relaxed. You know, it's, it's island time, dude. You know, it's a time to kind of put that watch in the bag, relax, you know, especially for these, these pros, right. They, yeah. They've been going since January, have a couple of days off, take a couple of deep breaths. Uh, you know, Saturdays, we got the pro am in the morning, we got the exo in the afternoon. Then we got the incredible dinner with Marcus Saturday night. Um, you know, it's just fun in the sun, man. That's it, man. I'm going to see you then. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Mark Knowles, you are released. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Bring your sunblock. Huge thank you to Mark Knowles. And thank you to Deodora. Use my code APPROVED in all caps at hollabirdsports.com for 15% off of all Deodora performance tennis shoes. Thanks again to our sponsor, Baja Mar, for this episode. I am looking forward to joining Mark down at the Baja Mar Cup on December 8th to the 10th. Again, watch the pros at Baja Mar by following along on Instagram at Baja Mar Resorts or visit bajamar.com slash tennis-cup for more information. Megan Fernandez edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released.